In today's episode, we're discussing our greatest challenges as fathers. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papa y Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. Today we're discussing the hardest part of being a dad. You know, as parents, we go through these phases of struggle and I think oftentimes men in particular have a hard time asking for help. And, you know, we've touched a little bit on this in episode 15 about how to support new parents, you know, and so the goal of this podcast really is to share some of our struggles so you can see that you're not alone. So here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have a now eight-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. That's right. I'm Jim. I've got, uh, that's right. She's eight now. Mine is about two (laughs) weeks away. So I've got an eight-year-old girl and a five-year-old girl. So here's a few data points from Pew Research to help ground this conversation. Dads made up 17% of all stay-at-home parents in 2016, and that's up from 10% in 1989. 57% of fathers say parenting is extremely important to their identity. 54% of dads report that parenting is rewarding all of the time. Most dads, about 63%, said in a 2000. 17 survey that they spend too little time with their kids. 39% of fathers said in a 2015 survey that they were doing a very good job raising their children. 47% of fathers said they were somewhat more likely to say their children's success and failures most reflect their job they're doing as parents versus 40% that said that those issues reflect their kids' own strengths and weaknesses. And so I thought these numbers were really interesting. You know, if you think about it, you can see the level of stress that fathers are going through. You know, dads find that they're spending too little time with their kids. Most feel that they're not doing a very good job raising their kids. And almost half view their children's failures as a reflection of their own parenting. And this is not, you know, to discount the pressure that mothers feel. But, you know, obviously we're focusing a little bit more on fathers here in this particular podcast. And so I thought that that was really kind of an interesting way to sort of say that we're all sort of struggling and they're all, all we all having challenges. And, you know, to set the stage, Jim, can you provide a little bit of background on the division of labor at your home? And that will give us a baseline as we start getting into some of the challenges that, that you're facing as a father. Yeah, sure. It's um, so my wife and I, we strive for a 50 50 uh, for childcare and domestic responsibilities. And, but, uh, but the reality is I end up taking more because I'm self-employed and I'm self-employed by choice for this exact reason to have this sort of flexibility to spend time with family and to, you know, do other things. And so when there is, uh, when there's a, a, a conflict, it's going to be me that's going to end up, you know, taking them to the doctor, picking them up from the sick day, just cause I've got that kind of flexibility. And my wife has a very demanding job that works with teams. And so she's much less in control of her schedule. So, you know, I can drop things or reschedule meetings, whereas she's got other people that are, uh, are relying on her for the, that kind of schedule. Um, and because of that, I can do things like, you know, do most of the meals. Um, you know, often I'll do bedtime routine. And you know, like I say, pick them up from school and, and take them to the doctor and that sort of thing. So overall, we'd strive for the 50-50, but just by virtue of having more flexibility, I pick up more of the childcare. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I have a similar situation. So I'm not self-employed, but my schedule is more flexible than my wife's. My wife, live, you know, she works in one of these sort of you eat what you kill kind of jobs. And so she's sort of always on 24-7. And in the weekends and evenings in particular, things can get pretty hairy for her. So I tend to take on a lot of the sort of primary care, uh, caregiver role, you know, First of all, I, I like to cook, so I handle most of the meals. That's um, my responsibility. 
and then, like I said, I usually have the kids on the weekends. So it's kind of like, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to plan? And occasionally she can sort of plan in advance, but that doesn't always happen. So, you know, we might end up on a Friday night. She said, look, I got to work all day Sunday or all day Saturday. And, you know, we, we literally have a, just a few hours notice before that weekend starts. And so it's uh, handling the kids on all the on all the weekends. And then also at nighttime, again, as I sort of pointed out, right, that the job is one, my wife's job is one that it can go from zero to 60 quite frequently. And, you know, when things hit, they hit and she has to take care of them. And so nighttime routine usually falls on me as well. So with that as a backdrop for both of us, Jim, if you could talk a little bit about the challenges that you have as a parent. Not to beat a dead horse, but I, I'm frequently tired. And that's, <laughs> that's been a challenge since the beginning. And I don't think it's unreasonable or, you know, I don't think it's unique to me. And just being a parent can be very tiring. And that's, there's one thing about uh, the physical exhaustion, which that's fine. We've all been tired before. I've had to work, you know, all-nighters at, uh, at my previous jobs and, you know, study late at night. So that's something that, that we can handle. Uh, but for me, it becomes an issue with, um, uh, with uh, like an emotional fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm an introvert. And when I have social interactions, I need some time to recharge. We just, I just do. It took me a while to figure that out by myself. But I, I know that I need some, uh, some self-care, some downtime just to recover. And it becomes more important in dealing with kids and dealing with my kids because there's so much nonverbal communication. There's so much uh, empathy that's involved in trying to figure out where they are in their world Mm-hmm. and how I can interact in that world in a way that has a positive impact. And so if I'm not well-rested, I'm not picking up on those cues, I'm being more more selfish, meaning like I want them to do something, I need them to go to bed, rather than understanding that they are, you know, their behavior is about something else mm-hmm. and figuring out how to address that rather than, than trying to just hammer home the thing that I want. I want them to go to bed. I want them to put their shoes on. Being able to have that empathy and kind of get on their level mentally and emotionally and be able to help them. So being tired interferes with that, you know, what I'd like to do, who I'd like to be as a parent. And, um, you know, and part of that is just having that downtime is uh, having some self-care, you know, making sure that I am rested enough as much as I can anyway, uh, making sure that I'm eating right rather than just, you know, eating mac and cheese with it, with uh, when they are mm-hmm. and uh, making sure I get some exercise. So that's been, that's sort of a physical sort of struggle. And then like you and I were talking earlier, this, um, you know, lately I've been dealing with this, uh, trying to figure out what's, I don't know how else to say it, what's my stuff and what's their stuff. And specifically, I'm trying to encourage my daughters to be more assertive and more self-assured and have more confidence. And I don't know if we touched on this before, but you know, girls' self-confidence peaks at age nine and that's coming up pretty quick. You know, yours just turned eight, mine's turning eight in a couple of weeks. And I want to make sure that they are that that's going to continue, you know, so that it, however it goes down, I don't want that to be an opportunity that I've missed, that somehow I haven't encouraged them to be more, to have more self-esteem, to be more self-confidence. But there's also, it's got to be balanced against their personalities and being able to, and that's what I mean, recognizing what's my part, what's my stuff mm. and what's their stuff. Mm. What, how are they, how are their personalities? What are their needs? Figuring out how to support that in a way that's child-centric rather than I think that they should be a different way or that they should have different characteristics and, and how am I going to, how am I going to structure those or model those for them? So it's been, I just have to pay attention, you know, and to tie it all together, I need to have that sort of empathy and self-awareness uh, to be able to 
to handle that right, you know, and handle that in the right way. You know, when you're talking about the time to recharge, we were just coming back from a trip. We, we just kind of gone on a day trip this morning. And so we, we ate out at dinner and across the street from our, the restaurant that we ate at, there was just this sort of old carriage that was there where the kids could kind of run around. And so when they were done eating, they're like, oh, hey, can we go across the street and play in the carriage? And so my wife was done eating. So they, they went across the street. My daughter took the plastic water cup with the straw in it, you know, when they went to go play. And I said, all right, well, you know, you guys aren't coming back, right? I said, no. So we get in the car and we're driving away. And I don't know, we're five, 10 minutes down the road. And my son is like, hey, I want my plastic cup. <laughs> like really like really this is this is the thing and and it it was like a whole conversation we had for like 10 or 15 minutes about this cup and he's like i want the cup and i'm like it's it's a plastic cup <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. and and i think you know the, the reason i bring this this story up in, is that you know when you talk about sort of that time to recharge it's not that he's necessarily being difficult or anything but just the sort of constant you know, for us, it's very simple, right? The, well, you know, I asked, I said, you know, before you leave, if there's, you know, you're not coming back, right? So I assume that you didn't want it. And so in my head, it, or it was done. But for him, it wasn't. And so now we have to have this long conversation about this, you know, this this plastic cup that we, which is, that was left at the restaurant. And it's just tiring, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think the, the thing is to focus on not sort of freaking out and trying to understand his point of view you know, it's easy to dismiss it and just say, look, we're not going back. The cup is done. And I'm trying to kind of stay calm and just sort of talk him through this whole issue about like, why is this cup so important to you? Mm -hmm. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of a plastic cup. What, what's the big deal? And, you know, I think it just goes back to that sort of whole time to recharge. It doesn't mean that they're being difficult, but there are constantly these things that, you know, because they're kids, that there's things that are sort of drawn out that, that you think, why are we even having this discussion mm-hmm, over something mm-hmm. so small? But for them, it's this big thing in their world. And um, that those little things happen all the time, every day, multiple times a day. And after a while, you know, towards the end of the day, you're like, we've had five of these just super random conversations about things that don't matter. And it just tires you out. And, and that's certainly one of the things that I feel where I'm like, let's just maybe put this to the side and move on to another topic or uh, actually what I'll do sometimes if I'm at home is I would just maybe take a step away for a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. and then just kind of, you know, read an article and then come back and, all right, let's finish that conversation. I was going to share a similar experience. I was going to share a time where my daughter lost something and she had a mask that Mm -hmm. she was waving out the window in the wind and it blew away and she had a (laughs) disproportionate emotional reaction to losing this mask. And we've got, you know, maybe hundreds of masks, you know, <laughs> yeah. between the four of us at home. Yeah. We've got so many masks. So it was, my, my reaction was, it's just a mask. Don't worry about it. You know, it's not important. Why are you upset about this? Mm-hmm. And, and we were driving at the time and, and uh, it was several blocks later where, where because I was rested and kind of have that sort of awareness, I realized that she was having an emotional reaction to something else. There was some other moment of, of grief or some other moment of loss that she was connecting and was just coming out sideways with this mask. And it took me a while to figure that out, you know, several blocks, five, six blocks, whatever it was, before I realized that she wasn't really upset about the mask. She was upset about something else. And so that's the kind of thing where, where I have to take, get out of myself and think, this is really important to her for some reason. 
and I'm not, and, and I don't want to, uh, and I want to find that thing and honor it. And it was, it's not something I would have been able to do. Not something I can do when I've, you know, jet lagged or tired or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's a good point is that there's, I think often something behind it that as adults, we just, we don't see the connection, but it's so clear in their heads that this thing is so important to them because of X and we're just not capable of making those connections because it's hard to think as a mm-hmm. five-year-old or an eight-year-old <laughs> at those times. And it is important to sort of s- slow down. And I think we're, tr- I'm trying to f- focus certainly on also explaining the, the, the things that I ask them to do and why I'm asking them to do things. So that it's not just like, hey, do this, but it's, hey, I, I'm telling you, you can't watch the screen right now because X and this is why I can do it a little bit more than you can and really trying to be conscious of having the discussion whether it's because it's something that again I feel as they're blowing out of proportion or whether it's something that they don't understand from me or I'm just saying hey do this it's really trying to get to the deeper underlying you know information that, that that's there that's that's tying all this stuff together so, you know, one thing that we were talking about before you brought this up in the, in the prep for this conversation is that, you know, we'll get to my struggles in a minute. But but what I think is interesting is, you know, we had talked about how your the challenges that you're facing are very, very different than mine. And I think it is sort of that Maslow's hierarchy of needs of I am sort of focused on the the day to day sort of process stuff. And you've got a lot of that figured out, which allows you to get more focused in on the higher level things like the self-confidence and those things. And I, I'm working on those, but maybe not in as a, not in the same way that you are. So a lot of the way that I try and do that is through books. And one of the things that I have sort of learned through this podcast in particular, in some of the podcasts that I've done with Tim about gaming and movie night is having this sort of dialogue. It's the, it's not just that we read this book, but it's also, you know, what did you learn from that story? What was the, you know, what's the kernel of information that I'm trying to teach you when I picked this book out for you and getting that across? And so maybe as a transition into the kinds of things that I'm struggling with, and then we can kind of get back to that. You know, if we go back to these issues of sort of being more down in the weeds, like you, I struggle with finding time for myself. So, Pre-COVID, certainly, the kids' schedules were kind of all over the road. You know, our daughter was scheduled six days a week. So it's just constantly sort of running all over the place, taking her to after-school activities. And pre-COVID, my job was, I was actually self-employed also like you. So that absolutely fell to me. So it's, you know, three o'clock, pick her up from school, go to jujitsu for an hour and a half or an hour and then come home, cook dinner, you know, just all that stuff. Just being the chauffeur. And that was difficult. And then you move to sort of the birthdays and the weekend plans. So there's never any downtime, even when you get to the weekend. And one thing is I always thought I was an extrovert, but it feels like I might actually be an introvert, which seems like maybe kind of late to be learning in life. But (laughs) there it is. And I think that as a function of COVID and it seems like I've, I've actually done pretty well. I think that's that's one of those things they say, like the, the introverts are, are thriving in COVID mm-hmm. because they have some time for themselves. And it turns out, you know, all things being equal, I'm actually doing okay. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, again, that finding time for myself is, is important. And I just, I, I can't find that time. So there's, 
you know, the stuff that, that the kids are responsible for in terms of not allowing me to find my time. And then on my own side, I've got like five different side hustles, which, you know, once the kids are done, then it's off to do the next thing. So the only kind of way that I can find any time for myself is I work out in the morning. So I get up at about 5.50 and there that gives me about 20 minutes to just sit in bed and read the news and just kind of see what's going on in the world. 20 to 30 minutes. So that's my alone time. Then it's workout breakfast for the kids and then you know i start my routine and then at the end of the day you know get pick up kids start cooking at five o'clock dinner's done maybe around well i probably clean the kitchen first so that takes me to five five thirty almost six o'clock then cook dinner by the time dinner's done you know seven thirty put the kids to sleep read until about eight thirty and then my son in particular loves to come out once it's time to go to sleep and ask me like random questions like, you know, are there firefighters on the moon? And then we have this little discussion or like, you know, just all sorts of really random stuff. And, and we have a discussion. He says, OK, and then he goes back to sleep. And that might go on if he's had a nap because he was at school. That might go on until 10 o'clock. And that's really my bedtime. So sometimes I can get like an hour in of work. Um and then there will be times where he's a little bit more needy and I'll have to kind of sit with him or be around him until 10, which is basically my bedtime. And there's effectively no downtime at all at that point. So that's one of my really, really big struggles, finding time for myself. And I don't think that's necessarily unique, but it is something that I really do struggle with. And there are a lot of things that I'd love to be doing, but like, well, you know, maybe once the kids are older and my guess is that once the kids are older, there's some other excuse to, you know, not be able to do the things you want to do. The other thing is I always feel like I'm not doing enough, right? So even when I have all of these things, I feel guilty when I'm working on these side hustles that I can't spend more time with the kids if I'm doing something on, the, you know, doing some work on the weekends and I, you know, I look over to my left and my my son's playing Lego or my daughter's reading a book or, you know, doing an art project. I feel like I should be helping them or working with them. And, and, you know, I don't want to, we've kind of had some of these conversations, right? I don't want to end up the kids, you know, in 20 years, they look back and go, yeah, all you did was work. I mean, there's a reason we work hard, right? It's because we're trying to get to a point where we can retire early and then, you know, then we can do all we want with the kids, but we're not there yet. And we're right now we're in the hustle, the hardcore hustle phase of that plan and but i you know already our daughter is like you know mommy works too much and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a hard thing to hear right because they don't necessarily understand why you're doing it and we do explain why we do it and we're like look this is this is what pays for vacations and this is what pays you know all of these things it's the house and it's the food and it's you know the car and the gas and the clothes all that stuff but it's still kind of a hard concept, I think, for her to grasp. And, and, you know, what she knows is that mommy works all the time. She sees it a little bit less with me because I do a lot of my work when they're asleep. Um, but that's certainly something that comes through quite a bit. And then the last one is super sort of down in the – actually, two more. The next one is super down in the weeds. It really is mealtimes. Mealtimes are a train wreck over here. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies. I mean, the first thing is – our kids can't seem to sit down, which that's completely my fault for being a little bit lax. You know, so there's a little bit of like walking around and like he'll bring toys to the dinner table. Like it's a mess, fully my fault. 
so I'll own that one. But that's a mess. Then on top of it, when he brings the, t- the, the, the toy to the table, they won't eat anything. He's a super picky eater. He eats like literally three or four things, which also creates a tremendous challenge for lunches as we start planning for the week. Like, okay, it's, you know, it's the same grilled cheese, mac and cheese, pizza. Like, there's only so many times that he can eat it. Um, and I'm starting to work on that. Breakfast is now becoming a non-choice issue. And again, actually, the food thing is my fault, too. I sort of created a restaurant here. Hey, you don't want to eat that? Let me know what you're going to eat. So right now we're in the process of changing that. So uh, about a month ago, we moved to here is breakfast. Eat it or don't. I don't care. It's not my problem anymore. Um, And then lunch, when he would come back from school for lunch, if he hadn't eaten lunch and he was hungry, I said, okay, you can have a snack after you eat your lunch. So we're Mm going to start with that. And that seemed to work out pretty well. Uh, And then dinner, I'm still at the point where I'm making two dinners, one for the adults and one for the kids. I'm slowly moving away from that. Uh, my daughter had her eighth birthday a little while ago and I told her for her birthday I was getting her off the meal plan so that she was going to eat what everybody else is eating. And I haven't fully implemented that yet. She obviously wasn't super excited about that. But, I mean, that's how I grew up. It was, here is what we're eating. Eat it or don't. That's your call. And I need to get to a point that that's what we're doing. And we're starting to get that actually... We're starting to get there with the kids. But picky eaters can be really problematic especially when you're traveling you know we just came back from a what two night vacation and just finding stuff for this kid to eat like you kind of have to oh you want to go to this restaurant well he's not going to eat anything so we can't go there we got to go somewhere else and that's not really you know that's not a great way to have a vacation so that's something we're moving away from you said that the if they eat it or don't eat it that's your problem uh, it's it's my problem because <laughs> then we got to deal with them without uh, without having eaten anything. That's just you know it's like fuel on the fire. So it's it's kind of like being a hostage. Yes, and and so uh, my plan is that we just we just deal with it. And and I think the big thing is that for us we had to both sit down and agree to that because my thing has always been like we need to do this. Is that you either eat it or you don't. But I understand where my wife is coming from. Like, well, we need to get him to eat something. But that is the slippery slope right now. Then you're back to the restaurant thing where, okay, he knows that if he doesn't eat the first thing, you're going to eventually give him something that he will eat. And um, what we do is we say, look, you actually, we've had a couple of times where he's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, that's because you didn't eat lunch. And so now you're going to have to wait until dinner and you'll figure it out pretty soon that you're going to have to eat lunch because you now know what it's like to be hungry. Because otherwise, right, you're like giving him snacks and and sometimes, you know, the snack is like fruit, but that's still he's not learning anything from that. Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, well, I know I can skip lunch and they'll give me fruit in the afternoon. It'll be fine. And that's not helping things. So um, we're sort of moving more towards a cold turkey kind of thing. But right now, what I am doing is I'll allow. So for my daughter, one of the one of the things I said was, okay, if I'm going to make you eat what we're eating, I will allow you to choose the meal once a week. And that seems mm-hmm. to work out. And if I make enough of it, it you know I can get a second meal out of it for her, either a lunch or another dinner. And so I always kind of plan the meals around making enough leftovers, which helps her and helps me also. So I guess he'll get. Uh, we sort of talked about that that he gets a choice, but you know he doesn't. It's not like the kids like oh yeah let me ask for this crazy meal. You know he he knows like five things. And mm-hmm. so I guess we'll rotate his five things once a week. 
So that, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's better than I think what we're doing now. And uh, so that is a daily, daily challenge. And then the last one, I guess is maybe a little bit more towards kind of where you're going with the more sort of esoteric sort of 30,000 foot view things is the social stuff at school is starting to become a point of stress for me because the issues are becoming tougher. You know, it's not simply like, you know, I don't know, whatever, this kid lied or something, whatever. But, you know, it's getting to the point of like, well, this girl said she didn't like me in f- to my face. And now this person doesn't want to be my friend. And, you know, those things are, they're just harder to deal with because there's no clear cut answer. And there's not certainly a clear cut answer f- for me. And, you know, we had this conversation recently with, you know, somebody stole something from my daughter. And, you know, how do you approach that? Do you, in that instance, you know, I, I talked to the parent and we worked it out. Everything was pretty cool. But, you know, you don't know how all parents are going to react. And and so, the, but the, the I think the things that are really difficult now are the, the social interactions. The, these girls say they don't want to be my friend and I don't know why. And I don't, I don't know what to tell her. And I think that's, that's the hardest part is not being able to have a solution and to kind of feel it's to feel powerless, right? To feel like you can't help your child. And those are becoming the real big things. And I, I'm unclear also how much of this is that I have a daughter and that it's just different. Like, I don't, I don't remember having the same issues, but maybe also it's like I had a best friend in first grade and we were best friends until seventh grade. So it's just a little bit easier. Whereas like her best friends, they kind of come and go and it's, it's just very, very complicated. The social structure is complicated. And that's the thing that is really kind of tripping me out the most right now. Thankfully we're in summer. So I get, I guess a couple month break from, you know, those kinds of interactions, but that's the stuff where I'm just like, I don't know how to handle it. And I assume that as we you know, start moving into third grade and middle school and social media, it's just going to get worse. And I hope that, you know, in these early days, we lay the foundation as, as parents that they can come and talk to us about anything. Certainly, you know, as, as things get more challenging in middle school with the social interactions and things like that, and that's going to get even more tough, but I'd rather it be tough and, and go through it together with her than her dealing with it on her own. And so those are the things that I'm, they're stressing me out as she gets older. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll learn as, a, as we go along, I guess. It's an interesting point because, I mean, you've, you've been very charitable and thinking that, you know, I'm the higher part of the Maslow's hierarchy. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm dealing with all these things too. And particularly with the social issues, I think what we're describing are things that, that we don't have very clear answers to. And, you know, a lot of the things we've talked about in the podcast and, and this one and the others is the is strategies. You know, we've got strategies to deal with a lot of the, mm. the sort of day-to-day stuff about parenting, but then we're talking about, yeah, actualization, self or other actualization, I guess. How do we help our children in that way? And I think the social issues and this sort of, uh, you know, this sort of assertiveness thing that I'm dealing with, there's no real clear strategies. And I think they're so specific to my personality and your personality and, and our children's personalities. And, and there's no, there is no, book on that you know mm-hmm. well maybe there is maybe there's some child psychology book that helps with that but for the average parent i think that that's these are murky areas and they are difficult to deal with and you know just to just to join in the social issues are are hard and similar to the 
to the event that uh, that my daughter had where she had this disproportionate reaction my my inclination is to say it's not important you know it's not important you're five years old or you're seven years old you're gonna live a long time this is not <laughs> you know this best friend that isn't your best friend anymore it's not you're gonna forget about it in six months you know it's not and that's obviously not the right approach but that's my it's hard to keep that perspective and to honor that experience in a way that's constructive for everybody, you know, myself included. And, you know, again, that's back to the sort of awareness and, and being able to communicate. And as you said, with our, with our children in a way that we can, we can have that conversation so we can do it together. Yeah. I think it's so easy to just sort of dismiss it. And exactly right. That, that's sort of the thing that I want to avoid. Uh, but it's so hard, right? Like, because, you know, we just we just sort of went through a laundry list of challenges. And, and also, you know, when you're feeling that you don't have a lot of time, this thing that seems completely insignificant is just taking up cycles for you where it's just like, mm-hmm. look, let it go and move on already. <laughs> but, that, but that's not really that's not really how it works. Right. That is that could be the this cup thing was like the the biggest thing in his life where it was like. This is the worst day of my life because I I didn't get my plastic <laughs> cup. It's like, wow, that's a lot of drama for a five year old. But uh, you know, I get it. <laughs> so I get it, and it's it's a lot easier to get though when you, I guess, when you feel a little bit more rested, right? When you have that time to go, okay, I know what I should do, and I'm willing to sit there and take the time to just sit down and do it. And by the way, this is not to say that I'm able to do this all the time. I certainly have challenges doing that. You know, I think one of the other things is that, you know, if we go back to sort of this issue of of, of time and just the, the level of stress that we all have as parents, right, is that there's certainly times when we all snap. And I do always make it a point to go back to the kids and go, look, this is why I did this or just straight up apologize. Sorry, I lost it. Shouldn't have done it. My fault. I think it's important to sort of own that piece if if in fact that you were in the wrong or to explain it when things go sideways. So, I mean, here's here's another thing. I talked about this before where um, my daughter had snuck some video time and she's on a two-month ban and then she did it again. So I added another month and I figured we were done. It turns out we're not. <laughs> it turns out we're not done. I bust through yesterday and I pulled the whole like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed in you card. Oh, that, that uh, lecture. Yes. Yeah. I pulled the disappointed in you card and that did it, man. <laughs> like she started mm-hmm. to cry and, but I didn't yell at her. I said, look, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I've explained to you why this is the way it is. And I, I just don't, I don't know what to say. You know what the rules are. You have violated the rules, and I'm I'm just disappointed. And I walked away, but I could see she just. And then she went into a room, mm-hmm. and I let it. I just let it sit. And then when everybody had sort of I, again, I wasn't mad, but she needed to calm down before we could have a conversation about it. And what it allowed me to do is I, I went back to her the next day, at the end of the day, and it also gave me kind of a time for me to sort of process what I was feeling. And I said, you know what, maybe the thing is I need to go back and explain to her why the rules are the way they are. Because certainly if you tell an eight-year-old, like, you can't watch TV, like, there's no rhyme or reason of why they can't mm-hmm, watch TV. Mm-hmm. And totally she knows, arbitrary. Right? And she knows that at night I watch stuff. Um, she knows that when I'm cooking, I've got an earphone in. I'm not watching stuff, but I'm listening to, you know, I'm listening to a TV show. She knows that's happening. And so... 
I don't know. We'll see. I tried to I tried to explain it to her again in maybe different ways, and that it was really a function of look, I'm doing this for you. It's I'm not I'm not doing this because I like you not watching video. And oh, by the way, you know, as you get older, these rules start to relax because your brain has started to develop. And so now the, you know, the sort of the reason I'm asking you not to do this starts to go away. And I think, I think she started to understand that. However, she won't get the chance to prove me wrong for a while (laughs) because I'm like, okay, we're just done with screen time altogether. Like there were a few monitored screen time activities and, you know, so it was like, all right, you can do this, but you have to be in the room with me without earphones so I can hear what's going on. So I think those days are gone. So I'm not, I'm not clear that she will have the opportunity. I will uh, give her the opportunity for trust in the short term, I don't think. But maybe like in a month, I'll start to kind of loosen up and then, but I do want to get back to a point where she's kind of earned the trust back, right? Like that's ultimately where I'm trying to go with this thing. But we'll see. So yeah, I mean, you know, sort of going back to this issue of the challenges and the challenges that we have and, and how it affects parenting in terms of just straight going from zero to freak out and the kid not really understanding why you're asking them to do what they're doing. And it's just... It's so easy to do that when you're feeling stressed and when you don't feel like you have time for yourself. It's just easy to go from zero to 60. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on too is just to kind of, okay, like take a minute, walk away, you know, give yourself five minutes and then come back and then, all right, now that I've come, let's have a, let's start over again and have a conversation about it. So that's my, that's my strategy that I'm, I'm working on. In the meanwhile, have you thought about changing the passwords? We yes, we've changed passwords. But part of it is she needs access to an unlocked iPad to do certain things, right? So we talked uh-huh. about Epic. So she's supposed to be doing Epic and instead she's watching YouTube, mm. right? So but things like um listening to podcasts and things like that, those will be I unlock it, you pick your story and then I lock it back up again cuz you've lost the trust for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she'll have to sort of regain that trust and that's you know, that's another thing that we're working on is, you know, the level of trust that they're given. But I do want to give her, I do want to give her that latitude because she needs to learn that we'll trust her, right? I mean, as we get, as as the kids get older, there are all sorts of ways we can track them, right? But I don't want to be doing that. I want them to feel right. like I trust them. But like my first instinct is to be like, okay, you're going to share your iPhone location with me when you finally get an iPhone. And when you get your license, I'm going to stick one of those dongles in the car that's going to monitor your speed (laughs) and your location and, you know, all the other stuff. I mean, the amount of tracking that you can do on a kid, I mean, there's basically, I'm sure there are all sorts of ways they try try and get out of it. But there's a lot of things that we can do as parents. But I don't want to do those things, right? Like, it Mm -hmm. certainly wasn't something that our parents had. I, I remember I was over at a friend's house when I was younger. I don't know, must have been in 11th grade. And I just didn't come home. And I was like, like my parents are going to kill me. I was tired. The thing is, this person lived, she lived like 10 minutes away from my house. Mm-hmm. But we decided it was whatever, three in the morning. She's like, you must just crash here. She had an extra bed. She's like, you just crash here. It'll be fine. Didn't call my parents, nothing. And I'm like, so I just assumed that they were going to kill me when I woke up and came home the next day. I'm like, no, we just assumed that she crashed at her place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's pretty chill. 
Yeah. And I do want to be able to trust my kids that, you know, um, but th- they're young, right? Like they're, we're all learning. And that's the other thing that I'm trying to, to tell her too, is that, look, I, I get that you broke the rules. Now you know why they're in place and I, you're learning. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to ding you forever for this, right? Like this is, this is the part, this is part of being a child. You're going to try and break the rules. I'm going to tell you why they're there. There's going to be some punishment along the way. And we're both going to learn how to live with each other in a way that's respectful of each other. And that's just part of growing up, right? I mean, the same thing where the kids are learning to steal now at school. You know, there's mm-hmm. that's the process. So I think that's also part of it is to understand that they're not fully formed adults. They're going to do stuff. It makes sense in their heads. It doesn't necessarily make logical sense to an adult. But that's because they're not adults yet. And I do find myself, you know, sitting there reminding myself like, yes, this is probably pretty normal. Uh, You know, as long as it's not happening when she's 15 or 18 or 20, it's fine. Right. Like these are this is what growing up is all about. So we're getting there slowly but surely, I think. We hope you found today's episode informative. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions for us, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papayfatigue. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening.